Today's show is sponsored by our good friends over at Tortuga Backpacks. And whether you are on a boat, whether you are visiting your favorite winery, or whether you are traveling in any other manner or going anywhere else in the world, you're going to want to have a high-quality, great backpack that you can trust with you. And for that, I highly recommend the Tortuga Backpacks. Now, I'm going to tell you a dirty little secret right now. I love my Tortuga Backpack but I actually think I love my Tortuga Air backpack even more. So you can check out the regular Tortuga, the Tortuga Air, the Tortuga Day Pack, and now their packing cubes over at TortugaBackpacks.com. And if you do decide there's something there that you want to pick up, make sure that you use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters, because that will get you 10% off your entire order. The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, Episode 195. While there is at least one winery in every state, and the United States has over 3,000 wineries total, California is responsible for a whopping 88.5% of the country's wine production. No wonder everyone who lives there is so happy. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and today's episode is part two of my interview with Brian Petro from GetMyBoat.com and CorkSharing.com. So if you haven't listened to part one of this interview yet, I urge you, go check that out. You can find part one on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Jabbercast, however you're listening to this episode, you can find part one. It's already out there. You can, of course, get all the episodes and the show notes at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. And in part one, Brian talks about expanding the sharing economy to boats and wine, the entrepreneurial spirit, and how he gets ideas for businesses. He also discusses how Get My Boat works, and it's a really, really neat idea, and how it has more than just boats. And he gives you some tips to know before you actually rent a boat. So you're going to want to check that out. Again, part one of my episode with Brian. You can get that iTunes, Stitcher, Jabbercast, extrapackofpants.com slash pod. For right now, let's jump into part two of my interview with Brian. Before we flip over to, to talking about cork sharing and then um, a little bit about your personal travels and stories like that, are there? I want to get a feel because you said you have 40,000, was it 40,000 boats or coming up on 40,000 boats. Can you give us an example of some of the coolest or craziest or most unique either boats or experiences that you've seen pop up on Get My Boat or people who have rented and had these crazy experiences? Yeah, we have a lot of uh, really cool experiences. Um, I'll touch on the crazy kind of the crazy stuff after the the really cool and uh, maybe the the heartwarming stories. You know, we've had um, 
handful of proposals on boats rented through us, a handful of weddings as well. You know, birthdays are in the hundreds. Everybody has their birthday, uh, it seems like, on a boat through us. Uh, My birthday's family. coming up. Maybe I have to plan something. <laughs> yeah, you, I know somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, there's all these really nice experiences uh, where, you know, there's family reunions. And uh, I, I saw one not too long ago where it was, uh, three generations were going out, you know, on the boat. And uh, Grandpa wanted to take his grandkids out because he used to take his son out on this style of boat in this lake. So, uh, you know, things like that are really cool. Kind of the more interesting things are model shoots. And so I was uh, actually working with somebody on a reservation, which would normally be a customer expert. And uh, they wanted to shoot a rap video. And I can't remember the artist's name. It's somebody I I haven't heard of before in in Miami. And they wanted to shoot this rap video on this uh, nice yacht. So that was a fun one to, to put together. And then on the experience side, there's, oh, man, there's some really cool things going on here. Uh, outside of boating, boats are cool in general. We have really neat, you know, awesome high-end boats that everybody should check out. I mean, you can look anywhere in the Mediterranean and, and find them, especially France, Italy, Spain. But uh, you know, off the coast of South Africa, speaking, I know you're just returning. Uh, there's a, a cage diving, you know, for the great white sharks. So you you could have one of those experiences, which isn't typical, you know, just boating in general. There's in Thailand giant stingray tours where you can get out and, you know, and uh, hold one of the giant stingrays or at least, you know, pet them. Um, there's some really cool houseboats in, I want to say, uh, somewhere in the UK. I don't, I don't know exactly where, but there's one houseboat that was used in one of the Batman films, uh, the Joker's uh, canal boat there. They also have a, a replica of the Yellow Submarine uh, for the Beatles. So there's some, there's a lot of really unique things and unique boats on the platform that just bring a lot of character. Yeah, I've always wanted to do a houseboat. Like rent a rent a houseboat for a couple of days or a week or something like that and you know have some sort of either reunion, whether it be with friends, family, things like that. Cause it's just such a such a different experience. And I first kind of thought about this when I was driving through British Columbia and we're passing all these beautiful lakes, you know, we're we're outside of Vancouver. My friend was like, oh, yeah, you know, as high school kid, either high school or college, I can't remember what she was saying. You know, after we graduate, we all rent a boat and we just and I'm like, OK, what do you do? They're like, well, we just sit on the lake. You know, it's like in, essentially they're not going anywhere, really. Like, but we sit on the lake and there's a slide, and, you know, we fish and then this and that. And I just thought, well, that's kind of cool because it's just that much different from being in a house or something like that. So, yeah, there's all types of crazy stuff that people do on boats that I, I I haven't really had my mind open to because I haven't been a boater per se. Yeah, and you can't forget water sports as well. You know, I don't think those are necessarily crazy, but it's just something to add into that. So you can say, oh, well, you know, rent a houseboat, go on the lake, hang out, fish. You know, but also you can also you can get a, you know a small jet boat and you can do some wakeboarding or you know tubing and and have some fun that way as well. Yeah, that is really really cool. So yeah, I'll be getting on there, and guys. I, I mean, I've already checked it out briefly and just the number and the the quality and the the interesting things that are happening. I get my boat. It's really cool that it's not just boats, but it's all these unique boats. And then, like you said, jet skis and the whatever you guys call those things that, yeah, that the Iron Man suit things that my parents have done and I haven't done. They have a better social life than I do. So, yeah, that's really, really neat. I want to flip it a little bit and talk about cork sharing because it operates, you know, on the same premise as everything we've been talking about is, okay, here's a platform for wineries 
and for people to connect with wineries. And we just got back, as you mentioned, from Cape Town, South Africa. And, you know, obviously outside of Cape Town, there's wineries galore. And we had kind of an interesting experience where we didn't know what wineries to go to. I mean, there's like 300 wineries on just one wine route and there's like six wine routes. So how do you pick it? They give you a map and it's, you know, who knows? So we actually got recommendations as we went from one winery to the other. What would you recommend? And um, they ended up telling us to go to this one called Annandale. And it was way different than the other ones, much more rustic. You know, you could bring your own meat and barbecue because they had a fire going. Like just much different from your typical hoity-toity posh um, winery. Is that kind of the thing that you guys do at Cork Sharing where it's like reviews and people can kind of filter and pigeonhole the wineries that they would like to go to more as opposed to just getting out there and just trying different ones? It is. You know, it kind of, it's, it goes along with bringing the world into the, the mobile arena, right? So we're bringing the wine world into the mobile arena, which actually very similar to boating, uh, you know, they're a little behind the curve there also in, in terms of technology uh, as far as, you know, web and mobile. So a lot of these, you can search for wineries online, uh, you know, they might have a website, but if you're on the go, there's definitely a very hard way to get, you know, on your phone to get any information that you want. But also another trend that's happening uh, with, you know, just booking in general, doesn't matter whether it's a, a flight or a a hotel or a restaurant reservation, now a winery reservation is uh, people really, it's, it's funny, they don't want to talk to anybody to get the booking. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I know what I want, you know, and I'm going to look for it. I'm going to do my research beforehand and I'm going to book it and have the confidence that, it, you know, if I put down my card that this is, you know, where I'm going to be and it's going to go through. And so we kind of went with, you know, that as our premise to, you know, the world's moving in this direction. Well, why can't we do that for, for wineries? Um, and so that's how we started with that. And, and it came kind of from some frustration from me. <laughs> and so I love solving my own problems with <laughs> and hoping others, you know, have this, the same uh, issues as well. You know, I'd go to a wine region and, you know, driving around if you didn't do your research before or, you know, sometimes I'm just doing a trip and I see a sign for a winery, I'll stop in, which is great if you discover it that way. But when you really want to go somewhere it helps tenfold to have reservations. So I created it really for me. But then as I started talking to the wineries, I thought, wow, this they could really benefit from something like this. Because um, then they know, right? Like they know ahead of time, we're getting a large group of, it doesn't always have to be a large group, but we're getting 20 people in at 1 p.m. when they might usually be dead or something like that. Yeah, you know, definitely the large group helps tremendously because uh, I, you know, hands up, I'm guilty of this, that I, I went on, you know, a bus with a bunch of friends, you know, and they were doing the old tour around the wineries, you know, we hit three or four or five wineries, which is a lot if you've ever done anything like that. And by the end of it, you know, they're planning for a busload of people and you get two or three. Right, so the wineries here thinking, oh, well, we got to close down, and we, we you know, we got to allocate staff and room for all these people, and then if they are a no show or you know they <laughs> dwindle down for uh, they right. reduce down <laughs> for whatever reason, right? You're you're kind of out that that room, staff time, money, and purchases of wine that that may have come from it. So I noticed that up front as one of the the reasons why wineries would want to sign up with us was okay, they'll better be able to allocate space and time and and resources. 
Some other things that are rather interesting is uh, the Silicon Valley Bank out here, they have a very high interest in wine, in the wine industry. So they have a whole branch that does reports on, on the wine industry. And I was able to, to get my hands on some research that for wineries, if somebody does have a reservation, they are more likely to actually buy wine or sign up for a wine club. So, yeah, this is something, you know, as a winery, you, you can be thinking about, say, well, one of the worst things is to have what you think is this foot traffic, which is great. I have bodies in there, warm bodies, but it's not a great thing because maybe they're just there tasting and leaving. Instead, what you want, you want the people that are serious, that are coming in. They don't have to be you know, necessarily serious about wine, but they're serious because they made a reservation. Well, the way that we work is you put your card down. So we are a part of the transaction at cork sharing, and you pay for it ahead of time. The research has shown that if you do have that, uh, the, the guest coming in is actually more likely to, to buy some wine, which is great for the, the winery because that's what they're in for. You know, they're, they're looking for more guests, more buying customers, and less of the come in and, and leave type. What are the benefits then for the person who's searching out wineries? So like the wineries, it's great because they know who's coming in. What are the benefits then for someone like us, like if we're just going to go out tasting, is the benefit because we can kind of see what wineries are there ahead of time and formulate a plan? Is it that we have reservations so we know when we get there, you know, we're going to be taken care of and it's not going to be, you know, a hundred people there and then you're kind of waiting in line? Are those the two main ones or is there something I'm missing as well? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a whole discovery aspect of it. So there's a few things there. If you're the planner, it, it's great because you can look ahead of time. You can you plan your your trip and your stops, and you can read about it um, all in one place. So you know it's this aggregation and transparency, right? Of knowing what you're going to get. Um, so that that's one aspect of it. The other thing is, well, if you're on the road, let's just say you finish you're you know you go to one winery. You're in a wine region. This happens all the time uh, to me, especially if you're in Napa, Sonoma, and that region. They're they're everywhere. It's it's awesome. <laughs> anyway, so uh, uh, I good problem my, to have. Good problem to it's have. It's a great, great problem. I love it. I pull up my phone and say, "Okay, what's in the area? You know, what am I going to go?" And I, I can sort of buy varietal and say, "What do I, you know, I feel like today?" And uh, search that way. And then, of course, price for those that are price sensitive um, also is another big thing. So you do that. Uh, but another part is the the experience. You know, I uh, really enjoy a great experience, um, whether it's on a boat, whether it's you know at a stay anywhere, whether it's at a winery. I mean, there's nothing better than if you go into a winery. And this was great. I, I often use my own platform, so I, you know I, I book a reservation, and it's like I walk in. Oh, hi, Brian. You know, or you know, I have a reservation, and just like a restaurant. Oh, well, what's your name? And you say, Oh, well, hi, Brian. We have a table assigned for you right here. And, and here you go. Versus, okay, you're walking. Okay, let's squeeze you in at the tasting bar over here. And, uh, you know, it's not, they're all like that, but, uh, I definitely haven't had that experience when I've made a reservation. Yeah. It just makes it more special. You know, like you, you've set it out, you've set the intention, they know that. And so they're going to treat you with a little more, like I say, respect, but you, they know you're coming so they can be ready for it versus, yeah, you walk in and it's like, all right, where are we going to put this person? We didn't know they were coming. So that, that, that's really, really neat. And I think that, you are right with the whole not wanting to talk with people. I don't know what it is, but now that we can do stuff on our phones, you know, it's it's fun to kind of just do it and say, I'm going here. And it's also really cool because, for example, when we were just down in Cape Town, you know, I kept thinking, am I missing out? You know, there's so many wineries and they were great, but, you know, you go to one and it's just okay. 
that's an hour, right? You have like, I like to think of like, oh, I got five hours. All right, how many can I squeeze in? I could squeeze in four, maybe five. And then you go to one, you're like, wait a second. Am I missing? Like maybe the one right next door was phenomenal. But I have no way of knowing because, you know, outside of going on TripAdvisor or Googling like best wineries and set, you know, whatever it is, it's cool that it's right there and I can just kind of compare and contrast and someone says, oh, this has the best reds. Okay, well, we want reds. Let's go there. Or this is cheap and has good reds. You know, whatever it is. And, you know, it's also uh, the, the experience. You know, something you may never know, right? Uh, let's see, where was I? I was up in uh, Oregon, right outside Grants Pass in, I think it was Jackson. And we just stumbled upon a winery that had this really nice creek bed that they had a, <laughs> their tasting set up there. And it was kind of this really cool experience that, I, you know, we just happened to get lucky, right? But if it was something I could look up beforehand, um, I was actually prospecting the area. As I mentioned, I like to do a little bit of everything. So I had my sales hat on for yeah, the day. Yeah, research, right? <laughs> Re- research. It's really tough, I tell you. <laughs> very, very hard. I feel really bad for you. You have almost as hard a job as I do. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, a tough, it's a tough life. But, uh, you know, uh, so we go, we get this experience, um, you know, but maybe if you do that, another one, you're just another, you know, person at the, at the table. So you get to read that ahead of time, you know, okay, what kind of experience am I going to get? What are they going to offer? Oh, wow. They have a charcuterie board that comes with their tasting. Great. I didn't know that, you know, um, I'm going to go there if that's, you know, you want to do a, a pairing. So it's a little bit of, I mean, it's a, a little bit of a few items that are going to equate to this being, in my mind, it's kind of like a VIP experience. But really, from the winery side, as you mentioned, it's we're ready. So we know so we can we know that you're going to be coming in at this time and we can allocate this space for it. Um, so to them, it's business as usual, but they are just are ready for it. Where to you, it seems like, oh, it's VIP. I'm not just being stuff, you know, stuck right at the bar. Yeah. And is there any difference then in price of what I would pay if I went through cork sharing or if I just rolled up to the winery? Do you pay more to use cork sharing or is it the same thing? So there's a few things going on here. It's either going to be the same that you have. Some wineries choose to actually uh, price lower with us just to help us out and you know drive traffic that way. Some wineries, so it's, it's open. They can list however they want. Uh, some actually offer different uh, pairings and options for pouring, which uh, is really cool because that means that we have a unique yeah, an uh, tasting experience deal, through us. Yeah. Exclusive, yeah. So there's a, a combination, but it's uh, never more than you would pay there. You know, that's what I love about when people start things, not not just in the travel space, but you know, we're familiar with that and I, I do a lot with that. Where the, I always tell people, the more options, the better. Like, you know, I, it's not that I don't stay at hotels because I certainly do, but I prefer to stay at apartments or, or local guest houses, things like that. But if you have six or seven different options, then you can choose what works for you best. And so anytime you have more options, of course, unless it takes me like hours to pare down what those are, sometimes I, I'm indecisive, but the more options you have and the more research you can do, you know, usually the better experience you're going to have. And that's really neat with cork sharing where it's like, all right, I can, I've, I can see what's there and what's available. So I can pick the wires. Oh, and also I could, if I want to do a pairing, I can do it through cork sharing or I can just come in for a regular tasting or what have you. You know, that generally leads to better experiences because you get to be in a little more control. Yeah. And that's something that I definitely enjoy when I travel is uh, I, I'm one of the, I don't know what what type you'll put me in, but I like to know kind of what I'm going to be doing and, and plan it out that way uh, ahead of time. 
of course, there's always the off the cuff where it's okay, something didn't go as planned. You have to be able to adjust. If, you know, so that's why I was really keen on mobile being there so I could have that aspect for my wine tasting experience. Uh, but it is knowing what your options are and very quickly being able to reduce down what you want and uh, you know, set an itinerary that way. I don't know. I don't know what type of traveler I am either, so it's hard to put you in a box because sometimes it's all off the cuff and other times, like I said, I like knowing it and I like the research, but I also love just showing up and, and finding a place. And that's what we did you know, in Cape Town. And the wineries there, we had no idea and we found it. And um, you know, some were really awesome and others had like a cupcake and wine pairing that if I would have known about, I would have done, but you had to call ahead, right? So it's like those things. You miss out on things sometimes. And so it's nice to have the best of both worlds that if you want it, oh, boom, I'm going to go to cork sharing or I'm going to go to get my boat or whatever the platform is to figure it out. And if not, I'll just go and do it on my own anyway. What I also like is obviously getting recommendations. And then it's really neat to be able to give recommendations. I think that's the other side of these type of, you know, like we said, these peer-to-peer things or the, these shared economy type things is that if I really, really like something like the Annandale Winery, which I've mentioned multiple times, if you're going to Cape Town, go there. It's the best one. I can share that and I can tell someone and then they can have that experience and they know to bring their own meat if they go and then they can have meat with their bar, um, with their wine. So I love that part of it as well. I don't want to discount, though, what you were saying about the kind of self-discovery. I mean, in a sense, you're doing self-discovery online. You know, I'm a big fan of going off the path and just, hey, there's a sign, I'm going. Yeah, <laughs> let's just see what that's about. It, uh, But there is a, you know, if you plan, you'll know what you're going to get uh, kind of experience. But, you know, much like with Get My Boat and any other marketplace uh, website or platform, the review system is tremendously helpful. And, you know, it, it helps me because you can, you know, let's just say uh, a winery doesn't update their profile or their listing to what it currently is now. Well, if someone gives a review and says, uh, you know, hey, uh, I think this was a long sword up in Grants Pass again. Uh, hey, they have three sheep that come up and you can pet them, you know, while you're wine tasting is a really unique experience. Or, you know, in Jameson Ranch, they actually have the mini horses walking through the winery uh, over in Napa. Uh, you know, this is a must, uh, must stop for the experience. And, oh, by the way, the wine's spectacular. Then, you know, that's something that a review, you, can, you definitely rank that higher in your mind saying, oh, well, if somebody's giving this a great review or multiple people, people are, then, okay, I'm definitely more secure and more comfortable with my decisions for going there. Yeah, I think there's. I think you can travel and do both, and that's what we do. I mean, sometimes you love that self-discovery, and sometimes, yeah, you're riding down the road, and you just pull over, and you have this amazing time. But sometimes you don't want to do that, you know, and, and especially if you're with, you know, for us, we're lucky, uh, Heather and I, because we, we travel quite often. So if, I, won't, I don't want to say if a day gets ruined, but if we do something that's not the best ever, okay, well, we can probably go back, or we can do it the next day. If you're on a time crunch, a lot of times it's like, all right, I want to go. I, I know I have one day for wine tasting in Napa, so let me hit up the five that I really want to go to. So there's ways to do both, and I think that, again, just having the option is great because then you can do whichever you prefer, and you know, maybe you're on the way to one of the ones that you like, and you see another one, and it looks cool, and you pull off. So you even mesh them during the day or during that time. I don't think there's really a right or wrong way to do it, but 
having it available. And as we mentioned with get my boat, like that's something I would have no idea. I wouldn't ever do because I'm probably not going to walk down to a marina and ask a guy if I can rent his boat. So that's just something that then takes it, makes something that was not impossible, but very improbable for me to do and makes it very possible. We're making it more accessible. And that's what we say. I get my boat. We're, we're bringing the access to you, right? But before that, like you said, you'd have no access to this. Uh, we actually have some numbers for Get My Boat on, well, if you don't own a boat, how would you go? And it, was, uh, it was some staggering number, like 80% where I have a friend or a family member that I bug, you know, to, to take me out. So if you didn't have that, well, sorry, you're not going on a boat. <laughs> right, right. And, and, you know, and there are countries... Like when we were in Croatia, we were talking to a guy whose apartment we rented and he was like, oh, if you come back, I have a friend who has a boat. You know, there's ways that it would work, but it takes a lot more effort. And that's with on the ground too. I mean, we were there in Croatia talking to a guy on the ground. If I'm trying to plan for Yacht Week and I'm not in Croatia, it's probably going to be pretty hard for me to like get the name of that guy's friend who has a boat and then contact him and then try to work it out. So it's neat that it just, yeah, it, it makes it accessible for anyone who wants it. And it helps both parties. I'm such a fan of these symbiotic relationships where it's like, you're winning as a boat owner because you're making money on something that would probably be sitting there. And I'm winning because I'm getting a cool, good deal and something I can research ahead and find out, okay, yes, it's a competitive price. And then we're all happy. And and I just, I'd rather give my money to a you know an individual or a group you know a smaller group than like a chain hotel or something like that and that's why we talk about accommodations and apartments and local guest houses and things like that. Yeah, it's uh, I want to touch on a, a, just a quick story that I had um, prior to get my boat. I was actually in uh, Vietnam uh, for my, my previous company before this, and we were just taking the weekend to holiday, and we wanted to go out on a boat and. Uh, Nung train. There you go. Uh, for anyone that speaks Vietnamese, I apologize. Uh, I, I'm not very good at Vietnamese, but uh, if you're familiar with that area, uh, we, we were right there on the water and we wanted to go do some snorkeling and also visit the fishing villages that they had there. And it was very similar. Uh, you know, okay, what do I do? I go online. Okay, we, okay, let me talk to somebody at the you know concierge. Uh, where do I get a boat? Uh, okay, they didn't know. Well, we were, we went with the actual director of engineering um, for the company. He's from Vietnam. So he said, I know somebody. <laughs> he called him up. He gets his boat and he takes us out. And we had this incredible experience, you know, snorkeling around and uh, stopping at the fishing villages where they, you know, just have um, the lobster and the fish and squid right there. And they pull it out and they'll cook it right there on a raft in the water. And it's something that you know, we were very fortunate to have that connection to somebody that knew somebody, right? This is how everybody, most people used to get on a boat, that we had that unique experience. Now I can pull up my app and I can see we have boats there. If I had this before, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Solving your own problems. That's always the best way to go about making something, as you mentioned. You just solve the thing that you want to be done. And that's why we started the podcast, whatever it was, two and a half years ago. So I'm like, no one's interviewing these really interesting people would travel. It's about going to a destination. What about everyone who does it and builds the stuff around it and makes it better? I'm like, all right, well, I'll start doing it. And then you do it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do what you love. And you know what? If you do that, you're not working a day in your life. Exactly. I want to touch really quickly then on, because you've traveled some as well, some of your travel experiences. And so before we get into the question I always ask everyone, which is their biggest mishap, 
Is there anything that you've done or place that you've been or experience that you've had that really stands out as like, man, if I could tell someone to do this or these few things or go here, that's what I would do. And you may have a bunch because maybe you're lucky like me and just, you know, it's like everything and anything, but is there stuff that stands out? Yeah, there's, I, I mean, I have a few and I'll kind of touch on one, uh, one of them and the, maybe another story here to your question. I love the Caribbean, of course, boating. You know? <laughs> so I, I don't know if there's a, a place I can't recommend there. Um, I fell into, I did fall into a trap and do an all-inclusive, which I, I, I hated the whole time. So I won't I'll touch on that one. But I went to Puerto Rico, uh, Vieques Island, and it was just stunning. You, know, you take your Cessna out there. You take a Cessna out there to get on the island, and you you know rent a jeep and you just cruise around. It's tiny. You can drive the whole island, and you know I think it was thirty minutes or twenty minutes. White sand beaches. They of course have boats out there. The water is a little rough, <laughs> so if you you know if you can't stomach that, then uh, you know maybe that's not for you. But it was just some one place that I'll never forget that I loved. Uh, they have horses just. Uh, roaming around, you know, not gated off. And uh, there's just a, a tremendous amount of white sand beaches. The weather was beautiful. Uh, the people were extremely nice. Uh, you know, I love just exploring on my own. And it was a place that I could do that. But uh, and it gave me that kind of tropical feel. So uh, just one place that sticks out of a lot of places I've traveled that was uh, something I'd recommend to others. Yeah. And it's close too. you know, like Puerto yeah. Rico's literally on our doorstep for well especially from the east coast a little further from you on the west coast but still yeah. it's it's a it's an easy flight you know if you want to get that feel i think and myself included i discount the caribbean and heather and i my wife we always talk about this because it and like the caribbean mexico we discount it all the time because we're always going oh let's go to thailand let's go to Vietnam. i mean we love southeast asia but we forget that there's like these beautiful beautiful places Within a couple, you know, we're talking four or five hour flight um, that we can get to. And so it was funny because a year ago, a bunch of our friends were saying, oh, yeah, we're down in Mexico. We're digital nomads and it's becoming a digital nomad hotspot. And we're thinking like, really? Like down in Playa del Carmen? Like why, why are people there? And then we went back and not in an all-inclusive, but rented an apartment for just like five days. And we're like, this is awesome. You're right. And it's super close. So I think... I don't know if all Americans do it. I know I do. I just discount the stuff that's a little closer, and I'm always like striving for the far away. But then you're like, no, this is beautiful. Yeah, if you're you know if you're on the West Coast like I am here, well, one that I'll mention uh, because it is I've been to the Caribbean a bunch, and it is a, a quite the flight. You know, you almost you start doing the the travel time, and it makes it very easy to say, well, I'm going to Southeast Asia, which is another place I would put on the top. I'll touch on it later. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, Playa del Carmen is one that everybody recommends to me. I didn't go there. I chose Belize instead. And that was only, I think it was like five and a half hour flight. And same thing, you get a, you know, a cheap rental there. Uh, it was uh, amazing people, amazing place, uh, and, and quite the unique experience. Um, very different so than uh, Vieques. But another one that you kind of think about, well, I'm here on the West Coast, maybe I'll do Hawaii, which everybody does. You know, you, that's also great as well. Um, but, you know, uh, for kind of the same travel time, why not go somewhere else 
and you, you know, a little bit more for your buck too. Yeah, for sure. All right. Now we're going to hit on the mishap because I know you've been holding back this story a little bit because it involves Southeast Asia. So that's the question. You know, do you have a travel mishap? And, and I know the listeners love hearing it uh, maybe as much as I do. I might like it even a little more. But just a mishap, a travel mishap that you've done, something stupid that, you know, obviously turned out okay. You're here with us now. But um, just was like one of those things. You're like, it doesn't matter how much I travel. I, I made this mistake. Yeah. So it's, you know what, the funny thing is about this story, I have, I have a lot. And I, well, I think uh, what makes a great traveler, not saying I'm a great traveler by any means, is just being able to roll with the punches. It, you know, you just, you got to have to go with it. So this it actually wasn't anything that I did. It just happened. It happened to me and made for quite the unique experience. So it was in Thailand. Uh, here's a little fun fact that a lot of people don't know about me. I was actually on the U.S. Muay Thai team in 2009 and went to the, the kind of the World Cup of Muay Thai um, in Thailand. So I, you know, I flew out there and it's my first experience to Southeast Asia or really t- off of the continent in general, you know. And you were going to get beat up on, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, you know, um, for those aren't familiar with the sport, it's somewhat similar to kickboxing, um, slightly different rules with elbows and knees, punches and kicks. For fight sports, what happens is you oftentimes lose, you lose a lot of weight before your fight, so you can weigh in lighter and uh, it's just very common. So I went to uh, Thailand and right outside of Bangkok, I trained in one of the camps, which was a completely amazing experience. So that was one that I would say if anybody that's looking for kind of a unique experience, if you're somewhat athletic, even if you're not athletic, you can actually join one of these camps in Thailand and they'll take you in and you can do some training. It's what you want to get out of it. Since I was training for a fight, it was very heavy training, a lot of running. Really, that's all I did. I explored the surrounding areas slightly, uh, but there wasn't much. It was, you know, small houses around the area, a camp, and one spot to eat. So I was training there very heavy, very hard. Then we went into Bangkok for the tournament, and uh, the organization that was hosting it put us up in this hotel, which I didn't know previous to us being there was closed for four years. One thing that I, I don't do well with is the heat. So I was in my the right spot for that. And so I have my roommate there, uh, and we, we, you know, we get our hotel room. I say, oh, this is great. And the camp, it was six or seven to us in this tiny room, and it just had, you know, not even windows. It's just kind of these slat panels that were open, and it was terribly hot, you know. So I was just like, finally, I'm going to get some air conditioning. This is going to be great. I'm going to get some amazing sleep. I turn on the air conditioning. Uh, the second day we're there, right before my fight, I start feeling a little a little uh, uneasy. I have my fight. I actually, I lose. Um, didn't do very well. The next day, I was just completely sick. The kind of sick that everybody dreads, right? Right. Uh, like the, the Southeast Asia sick. <laughs> yes. I look up at the air conditioning vent and I just see a bunch of black stuff coming out of it. And I was sleeping underneath and I said, that was not a good idea. You know, turning that on. It was already too late at that point. I lost something like five pounds for the fight. I think I lost an additional 15 pounds after that. I couldn't eat anything. Um, the part of the conditions for us going was we had to support every fighter. And we had like 30 or something fighters travel, you know, 40, 50 minutes to the venue to watch them fight. You're there all day. I, I stuck it out one day. I wasn't eating at all. The second day I go there and the 
the guy that took us there, he ran a company in Thailand, does uh, the gear for some of the fighters. And he said, you know what? I'm sending you to the hospital. <laughs> I said, t- whatever it takes, man. But I, I, I need to eat again. I feel horrible. So they sent me in there. He's like, I'm sending you with this guy. And it's just somebody who didn't speak any English. And I, you know, it's kind of funny when you look back. I was in the hands of a complete stranger. And it's, it was at times when you're most vulnerable that you know, it seems like some people really step up. Uh, you know, and, and do what's right. So I went to this hospital. I have no idea where it was. I, I got to see a lot of Thailand. I have no idea what part of Thailand I was in, or what part of the city, or I mean, part of Bangkok, excuse me. I go to the hospital. They give me something, uh, almost instantly start feeling better. And the, uh, the guy that was with me, uh, you know, he was a Thai, he could tell that I hadn't eaten in a while. And he does the hand gesture, you know, hand to mouth, like, am I hungry? Sure. I'm starving, actually. They pumped me with a bunch of steroids at the hospital. So I finally had an appetite several hours later. And he just takes me off this side street. It was like a four-lane road. Just pulls off a side street, and there's just a little shack there. And he didn't speak English. I couldn't speak Thai, so he ordered for me. I didn't realize how hungry I was. I started just shoveling it in, you know, like a, a cartoon. I started shoving this food. It was, I think, delicious. Yeah, Anything would have been delicious at that point, (laughs) but probably was, you know, a street side stall. Yeah. uh, You know, so I started shoveling it and he's just kind of watching in disbelief. I finished it before he even got his meal. I know American uh, in our manners, right? I I just, uh, I didn't know what was happening. And then uh, the time I take the last bite, I realized, oh no, this is not, you know, American spicy. This is Thai spicy. I just start pouring sweat. Um, and the, the guy that's with me, he can see that I, you know, I'm not doing so hot. And he, he looks around and I see he just takes off running. I was like, oh no, is he leaving me here? <laughs> What's going on? And we're just on the side of the street and this isn't in, you know, like there's a bazaar and there's a food court or, you know, like you might expect. It was literally just this food stall, this almost highway like road. He comes running back and he just kind of does like a shoulder shrug. And looks down, and there's this metal bucket. And it's just a metal bucket that you would see sitting outside. And he takes a metal tin cup and just dips it in there. And he starts feeding it into my mouth, and I start pushing away. And it was so spicy that I eventually just gave in and drank this bucket water. And uh, it, I don't know what it tastes like because my mouth was on fire. I waited, I think, about three days until uh, I made sure I was still okay. And then I told my team, said, you know what happened to me when I went to the hospital? <laughs> I got fed this bucket water that was just sitting out there. I mean, it looked like something that we would use as a spit bucket. Right. Right. And uh, I tell you what, though, it was refreshing. <laughs> yeah. So, so you turn on a four years worth of mold air conditioner, right? Then, yeah, have to get pumped up with IVs, all of a sudden feel instantly worse because you're eating Thai spicy and then you're drinking the water, which is like the big no-no, right? Like everyone's like, you can eat the food. The food's okay. You know, as long as it's being freshly prepared, don't drink the water no matter what. Yes. In the back of my mind, you know, as he's, you know, doing the two hand, you know, treating me like a child, serving me the water cup, I'm thinking back, uh, I'm telling the doctor, I drank the water, (laughs) you know? And uh, it's just it's just one of those things where you, I, I just rolled with it, you know, and I, I drank the water and then I was fine uh, three days later. And I think it was because of all the steroids and uh, antibiotics they pumped into me. But it was something, it was kind of this, this turn of events that happened 
and I'll never forget, you know, and uh, the guy was laughing about it. Uh, so, you know, at least he's having a good time. I look back on it and I was laughing at it as well, saying, like, I don't handle spice well. So I was eating spicy food. It was actually extremely hot, fresh off the walk. And then I drank this water. So it was kind of one of the things where, you know, I got sick. It happens when you travel. And, uh, you know, a lot of people could have been freaked out or whatever. And you know, I just rolled with it. And, it's you know, it's one of these experiences I can joke about now and laugh. You know, at the time, it was somewhat, you know, frightening. Right. Well, it's a, just, a rough first go in Thailand, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it was. And of course, it was near the end of the trip, too. You know, so I feel like I could have done a lot more if I was healthy. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the team was going and traveling at night and, and doing all the fun stuff. And here I was shivering in bed, you know. Oh, so, uh, yeah, it's a, uh, you know. That's yeah, that. I that's traveling, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, that's travel, right? Now, now you have a reason to go back, of course. And uh, one of my favorite countries, if not my favorite country in the world, um, of Thailand. So, yeah, you got a reason to go back. Just don't drink the water this time. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, exactly. thank you so much for uh, pulling yourself away from your life of luxury, of, of wineries and yachts that you uh, usually frequent to chat with us today. I, I love the rise of the shared economy. I think it's really, really cool that you're working on two projects that are helping that grow even more and getting to do it around your passion and everything we talked about. And of course, providing people like me, again, with, with ideas of how to travel different with boats and then of course with the, um, with the wineries as well. Remind people how they can come connect with you. Like, What's the best way to get a hold of you as well as check out the two projects, um, Get My Boat and Cork Sharing? Sure. So if you want to want to check out the uh, two companies that I'm working on here, it's getmyboat.com. You can also check us out on Android and iOS. As far as cork sharing's uh, concerned, you know, same thing, corksharing.com. Check us out on the web. We also have Android and, and iPhone apps that you can download and, and kind of play around and see what we got going on there. If you want to get a hold of me, it's really simple. Brian at getmyboat.com. And I'll be happy to connect with you if you have any questions. You know, it's a, a startup. I can help with anything as well. So uh, I do love talking to uh, wine enthusiasts and boaters alike. So if you just want to have a nice conversation, feel free to reach out to me. Awesome. And that's Brian with a Y, right? It's Brian with a Y. That's All right. Great. Yeah, you know, I'm so, uh, it's something I should catch. But uh, yeah, there you go. Hey, Brian with a Y at getmyboat.com. Guys, that's getmyboat.com and quirksharing.com. We will as always, have everything linked up in the show notes. So if you want to check the show notes of this episode, you can go to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods, P-O-D-S. That's all 190 plus episodes and their show notes all live right there. So you guys can check that out. We also want to thank Tortuga Backpacks, our awesome sponsor for today's show. So whether you're heading on a weekend trip to a winery or you're heading out on the water, no matter where you're going, you always need a great travel backpack. You guys know that Tortuga is the one I take with me all over the world. So check that out, tortugabackpacks.com. Don't forget, you can use a promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capitals. That'll get you 10% off your entire order. Brian, thanks again for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. It was really cool, and you're doing some awesome stuff. So thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show, Travis. Uh, you know, look forward to uh, seeing you guys at the wineries, and I'll see you out on the water. Sounds good. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today, uh, for all the ongoing support, and, of course, for making us the number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. Until next time, happy free travels. I'll show you Paris.